Hello, and welcome to SBO Perspectives, the pulse of school business. And the official podcast of ASBO International. That's right. And I am Dr. Jack Mitchell, here along with the esteemed... John Ricardo. That's right, JB. So, um, it's good to be back. I mean, we're home in, in our state, New York. Yep. Right, John? I mean, it was a wonderful conference last week. We met some folks. And with that, we have a guest of someone we just recently met. Um, and he has a really good good episode in store for our listeners. Yeah, today we have Dr. David Bine. He's the Assistant Superintendent for Business Services at the Barrington 220 Community School District out in Illinois. Um, what we do is just really dive into his experience, how he got into the field, and he shares some really interesting perspectives back from the 1930s and how um, us yeah. as you know, educators, not too much has changed, even though a lot has changed in kind of the day-to-day operations. So it's Full a really circle. interesting conversation. We did have a couple of technical difficulties, so we're not on our new and fancy audio, so stay tuned. That's Still okay. great quality, it's all good. But yes. uh, we hope you enjoy our conversation with uh, David today. Today on the podcast, we have Dr. David Bine, Assistant Superintendent for Business Services, CSBO, at the Barrington 220 Community School District. David, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you. Hey. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Dr. Bine, you you are, I mean, I have to say, like meeting you out in um in a conference, you're definitely the quintessential SBO, I might add. Uh, so we're very happy to have you on and and, and really delighted that you're able to come. Yeah, um, honored, in fact. Yes, absolutely. So, <laughs> too kind. so with that, we wanted to really get into just for our listeners, um, you know, us now being the, um, you know, the main podcast, if you will, uh, for Asthma International, we want folks to really know more about you. So, um, to start things off, why don't you know tell us a little about yourself and I guess you know maybe your background, your experience, and and just maybe how you arrived at your current position. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Well, I I'm a Chicago area native. I'm currently working in Barrington, which is in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Uh, I was actually a Southsider growing up and uh, and attended the University of Illinois. I, I just got to put you know, the Illini into the conversation somehow. I hope you guys forgive me for that. Totally understandable. <laughs> it's all good. We know affinity for your teams. That's fine. <laughs> uh, and, you know, early in my career, I was an engineer. So I've got a couple mm. degrees in, in industrial engineering. I worked wow. as an engineer. Nice. I moved on to the business side, working as a management consultant for a while, um, and then worked in corporate finance, merger and acquisition work, and a variety of things. Interestingly for me, my Last job before I got an education, I had a title of business manager. And then next thing I know, I'm working in education as a business, business manager. manager. <laughs> it's like nice. It totally makes formal. sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to get into something where I really cared a lot more about the product. Sure. And uh, I, I found working in education uh, was really something that played to my interest and my desire to help others. So mm-hmm. that that got me working at uh, school district, uh, elementary district in Illinois. Um, I'm currently the district I'm at is a what we call a unit district in Illinois. So it's a uh, pre-K twelve district. Nice. And how, and how do you think that your experience in the private sector prepared you for your job now? I think that you get a different perspective than someone who's been a lifelong educator. Uh, I, there are benefits. There also are some things that are a little more challenging. I had to learn to 
uh, slow down and uh, be a little more thoughtful around working with people in education, especially professional educators. So the, the climate is a little bit different from that perspective, but you get to bring in more of that, uh, especially in our role, businessy, how should things work? How do we really focus on efficiency, which tied for me really well back to my engineering degrees uh, in industrial engineering, where we focus on how to make efficient systems of, of people and equipment or processes and procedures and how to really do everything as good as you can. Awesome. Awesome. So can you tell me just, you know, us being in New York and you in, in Illinois, like what is kind of the, your situation out in Barrington and uh, how does school finance really run overall in the state? And can you maybe tell our listeners about some like unique nuances in Illinois that maybe aren't necessarily the case elsewhere? The, the problem in Illinois, it always starts with a problem. Uh, you know, all school districts, I know in New York and elsewhere around the country, we all struggle with the challenge of having more demands for resources than we have resources available. And the challenge in Illinois, the problem in Illinois is that we have, I believe, the highest reliance overall on local property taxes to fund education. I believe it was Jefferson uh, who said a couple hundred years ago that relying on property taxes to fund education was in, in inherently inequitable. Mm. And what we find in Illinois is that we still have gross problems with inequity in the distribution of resources. And do you find that kind of to be a political challenge too, just having to be so reliant on the local taxpayer? Absolutely. It makes for a lot of unpleasant conversations. Uh, we regularly have parents that are or community members are coming to complain about how high their property taxes are. Um, a lot of dialogue around Illinois about people leaving the state to go elsewhere. I had one of my best friends uh, move down into the southeast and tell me about how he ended up buying a comparably priced, a little more expensive home. Uh, he was paying, I don't know, maybe twelve to fifteen thousand dollars a year in property taxes in Illinois, and I think he's paying fifteen hundred bucks a year or something like that. Wow, where he is now, major difference. Well, but you have to look at the overall tax burden. And that's one of the challenges that it's hard for a business manager to communicate. Hmm. Illinois doesn't have the highest overall tax burden in the country. Uh, We're pretty middle of the pack and we're actually quite efficient from a state state government perspective. We don't have that many workers. That's why the lines at the DMV are so long uh, is because we don't have all that many workers. (laughs) Unless the lines are long, but the the reliance on the property taxes means that there's less of a reliance on other taxes and other sources of revenue. But we happen to have a relatively narrow tax base uh, because Illinois was much more uh, manufacturing oriented when the tax code was last revised uh, Mm. many decades ago. So uh, that shifts that reliance on the taxpayer. So where I am right now, uh, in the north uh, northwest part of Chicago, the reliance is about 80, 85, sometimes even more in terms of a percentage of, of revenue coming from lo- local property taxes. So, yeah, and wow, I would say it's pretty similar to me and Jack in New York. I mean, we, we seem to yeah. be in a very similar boat as Illinois, especially where we're located. I'm in Westchester County and Jack's down on Long Island. So those property values and those tax burdens are, are pretty high comparatively. Yeah, yeah. Dave, you know, you when you start talking about 
the property taxes and rent values. You know what I started thinking? I started thinking about how when I was getting my doctoral degree, how we studied so much of this stuff because the inequities that like at, at first, you know, when you're thinking about your dissertation and what you're going to do, your topic, I thought about it, but it was so deep. There's so much to it. Like it wouldn't take one person it would take years to go through and kind of like and i remember some of the stuff the sources i read behind it but this is some really powerful stuff and you know what i think this also maybe speaks to our podcast for the future as far as like us as we speak to you in in illinois and other states um to see the discrepancies of what may or may not work that maybe one day folks can say hey listen these are some similar um you know occurrences that are, that are happening um, and issues that, that they're really they're facing that maybe you can alleviate. It works better in other states. So this is exciting that, um, that you mentioned that and you're on. But moving on, um, you know, into our episode here, I wanted to just um, let our listeners know because John and I are relatively new to ASBO International. And so we also may have listeners that are not part of ASBO International. So, um, you know, one of the things I noticed is that the SBA School Business Affairs magazine is great. It, it breaks down so much, um, you know, each month. And and I think that um, if I'm correct, you may have pinned an article or, or maybe multiple ones in the past. Um, what would you say would be one that you felt most appreciative of or honored for as far as an article you've written for SBA in the past? Well, First of all, let me say that School Business Affairs is a fantastic magazine. And, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, really, really have enjoyed uh, the opportunity to be able to read it over the years, as well as to work with the editorial advisory committee and, um, and to author some articles. One that, that I did is almost a decade ago was titled, What Principals Should Know About School Finance. Mm-hmm. And I, I still believe it's really important to meet with new administrators, especially uh, principals as well as assistant superintendents and superintendents to review what kind of support comes out of the business office. What are the expectations? Uh, what are the protocols and processes that people need to follow? And there's a lot of things that may vary from district to district. Uh, so the way that, that you might do it, Jack, might be a little bit different than John, might be a little bit different than me. Um, and it's important for administrators as they either become new administrators within a district or switch from one place to another to know what to expect and how to make sure that um, they do things the way that really, they really need to be done. Um, now, I'll also lead with the conversation of, look, my primary role, a new principal, is to keep your picture out of the paper, um, except for things that are positive. And, you know, and sometimes what that means is that you're going to have to follow some more challenging rules or procedures mm-hmm. to do things that may not be the way you really want to do it. But again, my goal is to keep your picture out of the paper for anything um, unfavorable. Great. And, you know, having you just answered some of our questions already and just through this dialogue, you obviously have a strong understanding of, of, of Illinois and just kind of the history when it comes to the tax base, you know, you, you talked to about how you've been, you know, writing articles for SBA and contributing to ASBO Internationals, but we also understand that you've been kind of comparing older articles from anywhere from 1930s up into the 50s to today. Um, so what's the deal with that? What what got you kind of looking behind us um, at articles and what, what are you finding? Any similarities or differences to what we're doing now? Yeah, well, you know, I think this is so cool, but I, I get the story. <laughs> when I was in high school, I hated history. I, and wow. So, you know, for me, actually, to be looking back, it's sort of funny, but 
-hmm. But I found as I got a little older that I really enjoy understanding how things actually worked in the past. And I was at the ESBO offices a few years back, and we got talking about how they've got these um, archives, these bound books with all these old issues. And I'm like, I'd love to take a look at some of those. So we pulled a few out and I started flipping through them. Mm -hmm. And it was so fascinating seeing what people were actually writing about and what was important in the past. So um, I want, what I want to do is just take a second and read you um, just the introduction on, a, on this article that I, that I just wrote. Uh, so it's a short paragraph. Is that all right? That's fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, here's, here's, here's how it started. Public education has passed through a very disturbing two years. Mm. The pandemic and other conditions previously neglected have changed this huge social activity from a fairly stable and certainly well-satisfied condition to one of uncertainty and in some areas even to fearsome uncertainty. As a result, public education today faces some new conditions and many complex problems that must be solved if stability is to be restored. All right, so that was the introduction. Now, here's, and maybe it resonates with you. I, I hope it does. Uh, but what I got to tell you is that uh, this really isn't my writing. Um, this is actually, I changed a couple words, but this is the opening paragraph of the keynote speech that was made at the annual ASBO convention in 1938. Wow. And it was subsequently published as an article in November of 38 in School Business Affairs. So that's, that's incredible. All I changed was decade to two years, right? So it was, instead of a very disturbing decade, I wrote a very disturbing two years. Mm -hmm. um, and you think about in, in you know, the depression was going on. So there's a lot right. going on. Um, and so the other thing I changed was depression to pandemic. That was it. Wow. And there are some major similarities between what's going on today and what was going on 85 years ago. Yeah, they always say history helps you, right? And it, does, it, repeats, repeats, it repeats itself, so it helps you in the future determine where you're going. Yeah. You're well, there, yeah, that's really fascinating, David. <laughs> it's crazy. So I'm going to be doing an, uh, another uh, article or maybe calmer an article reflecting mm -hmm. on a 1937 article titled The Duties of a Business Manager. And um, just as a little preview, uh, I will tell you that we spend a lot less time um, focusing on purchasing coal and trying to determine whether we should buy on a per ton basis or on a per BTU basis. Mm. On the other hand, uh, especially with what's been going on across the country with utility prices, managing utility costs is still a really important function that wow. we do. So, again, this, it's so crazy seeing Amazing what we stuff. dealing yeah. with decades ago. Yeah, no, so much has so changed, but some things just yeah. haven't changed at all. You got it. You yeah. got it. So listen, I guess, you know, this kind of dovetails in the next question I have, um, you know, I well, maybe even for us, right, over, I'd say the recent year or so um, in the SBA, what articles you think may have struck out, in the, you know, as really being outstanding and, and need to be really carefully dissected and read by our members? Yeah. There are a couple. Thank you for asking that question. There are a lot of good articles, but just two I'll, I'll mention. Sure. Uh, in November of 21, Charlotte Montgomery wrote an article called The Fundamentals of Internal Controls. And I think it's so important to have good internal controls, both to make sure that our resources are used for educational programming, but also to provide confidence and accountability to our communities. 
And I think this article had great steps and guidelines to ensure that we've got appropriate internal controls at our districts. And it also shared some very interesting, yet also quite scary case studies. Uh, some that I think actually in New York, New Jersey area, there's one, I think maybe out on Long Island that happened that was profiled in the article. So I think it was really interesting. Um, the, another um, article came out of the July, August 22 issue uh, by Nan Wodars, and it was titled Developing a Simple Communication Strategy. And this actually was a repeat of her article that had originally been published in 2018. And I think the SBA team thought it was such a great article and had some timeless aspects to it that it was rerun. And the, it, the article provides a sh uh, pretty straightforward framework for thinking about communications, uh, including considering the audience, the message, uh, the different channels for communication and really developing a plan. And I thought the key takeaway from that article is really being proactive in planning communication out. But I think these are two great examples of some of the real powerful um, articles that we've got coming at mm -hmm. us from SBA. And I think these had some really great nuggets in there that are helpful for us today. I agree. Sounds, sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those. So kind of in the same vein, you being a seasoned school business official, um, we kind of reviewed some of those articles, but just in your experience and what you're dealing with now in Illinois, what are kind of the hot button issues that you're dealing with and that you see kind of coming up in the near future? And um, how are you going to kind of approach and address those? And, you know, how can other business officials address those as well? I, my hope is that the dialogue that will happen at the board level with the community and with administrative teams will eventually switch back to talking about student growth and achievement, um, there have been a lot of things that have sort of taken us away from that in the last few years. Uh, but I think as part of that, it's only a matter of time until we really get more focus back on the details of the school finance, away from what books you have in your library, um, away from pandemic and masking issues and some of the other stuff we've been talking about. And I think accountability to our communities is important. And with some of the politics that have gone on, you know, I feel like our, our country is more polarized than it used to be. Um, and that uh, those polar extremes tend to pick certain topics and really focus on them. And I think finance is going to come to the fore uh, over the next couple of years again. Uh, so I think that articles that, are, that we start to read and be written coming up about uh, budget reductions, the fiscal cliff that some districts will face as ESSER funding goes away, um, and how to analyze what the real impacts are of more substantive budget cuts. Uh, there may be questions about how do we, you know, for example, in Illinois, uh, or maybe where you guys are as well, uh, our taxes are too high, how do we reduce them? And everybody wants the same or more services at a lower cost, which sure. is an equation that's hard to balance. Yeah, the cost of doing business isn't getting any cheaper. No, it's not, especially with you know, inflation. I keep on talking about inflation. You know, this mm -hmm. is going to roll through uh, for school districts as well. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mentioned utility costs. Yep. My district, we're probably going to be looking at um, you know six-figure increases on our utility bills mm -hmm. um, over the next year. Yeah, so, definitely. So I wow. think really being um, you know having responsible, innovative practices being able to think through and analyze your programming to identify areas of opportunity, uh, writing about things like electric buses and other kinds of stuff. I think that's really gonna be important. And 
Uh, I would just tell your listeners, anybody who's interested in writing for school business affairs mm-hmm. can certainly reach out to me, um, you know, at, at D-B-E-I-N at Barrington220.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, in particular, I would love for someone to put together an article on how large business offices should be and how they compare <laughs> to business offices or the financial ah. function in the private sector. I like that. That's pretty so, cool. Because I, I think a, that'd be that, an interesting perspective. Yeah, and I think for that helps sure. us to actually have meaningful conversations with our community about what mm-hmm. we're doing and why we have too much fat in the administrative office, how we're all paid too much, and all those other kinds of things that aren't the focus of education, but unless you're prepared to respond to those quickly, can really derail your conversations away from the things that are important. Wow, Dave, this is amazing. I mean, what you brought about in this podcast episode is really more awareness around the writing aspect. And it's more learning, right? For us, stuff that we spoke to at the conference last week and just the articles, how they kind of, you know, not necessarily um, resurrect themselves, but kind of come back into play in di- different, you know, shapes and forms in, in our age. Uh, so, and, and, you know, with that, with anybody we have on, we always like to get, you know, some parting words or any advice like to give to any of, any of our peers out there? Well, thank you. I, I think that um, on, our ongoing commitment in, in answering the question of why, why are we in this? Why are we doing what we do? Um, why do we do these particular practices and procedures is really a great question. And I think understanding your why will help us um, be more effective in what we do in supporting our teams and supporting our communities. Um, and I, I would, I've also spent a little time uh, recently thinking about um, uh, my next year. Um, I'm on the uh, board with Illinois ASBO and will be the Illinois ASBO president next year. And we have a theme each Congratulations. year. Congratulations. Thank you. And, and while I don't want to uh, reveal the theme just yet, um, uh, but Uh, I can tell you that as I've been thinking about it and sort of finalized what my theme will be next year, it really involves um, focusing on ourselves first, making sure we are well cared for, that we engage in professional development for ourselves so that we have the opportunity to get others focused, um, supported, and able to achieve greatness in the work that they're doing, whether that is within the business office, whether that's our teachers, whether that's our students, um, that's what my theme will be about. And I think that's so important. We've got to make sure we care for ourselves in a very stressful job, engage in professional development for ourselves. And that will allow us to uh, really be positive and to spread expertise and, and professionalism and high achievement with everyone around us. Well said, David. Thank you. Wow. I think, I, and, and wow. I can agree with you there. I think oftentimes we get so wrapped up and trying to keep the ship afloat we forget about ourselves and self-care so that's that's a great point and and really well said but you know we we have to thank you too again for coming on the podcast today we really enjoyed our conversation um and you know the advice and the just the knowledge you have i mean those articles from you know the 30s (laughs) that's incredible so thank you for sharing that and, and thank you again for coming on absolutely this was a pleasure for me thank you so much i love what you guys are doing with the podcast I'm honored to have been invited to to participate. Thank you so much. Thank you, David.
Thank you again for tuning in to SBO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Dr. David Bine. Uh, again, big thank you to him and his perspectives. And just, you know, even though he wasn't a history buff in school, he sure knows a lot about uh, school finance and it's education. amazing. <laughs> right? I, I kind of get it. Like, who wants to talk about the boring issue? But then as you get older, it sort of fascinates you. It's almost like the Indiana Jones, right? Or Goonies looking out for something. Some artifacts, right. and so um, we're go- we're going to actually share the two articles he mentioned um, that are very important. The one you mentioned when Charlie did the fundamentals of internal controls, um, and I don't, I didn't have it right down the other one, but, but we're yeah, gonna, we'll we're put those in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and I, I got to tell you that, like, it just hearing, it's not an eerie feeling, but just knowing how stuff that they faced back then, we're facing now, just different challenges, different levels, but pretty much the same. We'll push through. So um, yeah. we hope that this episode is very informative for all, and uh, you get the most you can out of it, because I, I know we did, so for sure. Yeah, thanks again for tuning in, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Yep, see you next week.